time again for Doc Jacques, your Addiction Lifeguard podcast. I am Dr. Jacques de Bruckert, a psychologist, licensed professional counselor, and addiction specialist. If you are suffering from addiction, misery, trauma, whatever it is, I'm here to help. If you're in search of help to try to get your life back together, join me here at Doc Jacques, your Addiction Lifeguard, the Addiction Recovery Podcast. to be real clear about what this podcast is intended for. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes, but not considered help. If you actually need real help and you're in need of help, please seek that out. If you're in dire need of help, you can go to your nearest emergency room or you can check into a rehab center or call a counselor like me and talk about your problems and work through them. But don't rely on a podcast to be that form of help. It's not. It's just a podcast. It's for entertainment and information only. So let's keep it in that light, all right? Have a good time, learn something, and then get the real help that you need from a professional. Oh my gosh, it's been just a little over a month since I did a podcast, and I do apologize to everyone who uh, listens to these. Had a uh, had to take some time away. <laughs> the the craziness that goes on in my office sometimes just it just gets to me after a while, and so I just kind of wanted to take a break. So I'm back, and uh, hoping that I can give you some guidance, words of the words of encouragement, or or something that will make it so that you can keep moving towards recovery, or if you have a loved one, keeping your own sanity while you're trying to help them in recovery. So uh, today, what I wanted to talk to you about was something that has been happening quite frequently now that the pandemic is kind of in its, what, second year, over second year. This is what, April, right? So it's uh, uh, two years and a month or two. Yeah, because we shut down in March 2020. This is 2022. So uh wanted to kind of go over some things about what I have been experiencing over the last uh, two months now that we're moving into that time frame, and that is the problem of people who are really starting to get to that absolute burnout point when it comes to stress, the stress burnout. Um, and it and, and I've been traveling around the country uh, over the uh, the last year, and I've been listening to people, and people are in varying parts of the country uh, in the United States are feeling things differently. Um, they don't all feel it the same way. But what has been happening is some people are getting very worked up about things. And I've been listening to people talk about their coping mechanisms and what they're using to cope. And, of course, drugs and alcohol are one of those things. And I've been seeing a lot of alcohol now coming in my door. And I'm hearing it out in the public, too. A lot of people are having some problems with um, alcohol and drinking. And uh, it's been the thing that's been slowly creeping in. And, you know, my theory is that alcohol is one of those drugs of choice that takes you know, 10, 15, 20 years to really become a problem. What we've been experiencing is we've been shutting in our own apartments and our own houses and townhouses and condos, and nobody's really watching. So drinking has been going up. And um, so maybe perhaps what I've seen is, uh, and this is my sense, that, that there's an increase in the the acceleration of, of that time frame that I typically uh, observe, which is that 10 to 20-year time frame. It seems like there's... Um, there's been an increase in the uh, the uptick uh, in the increase in consumption of alcohol. 
And so I'm getting some people that are coming in who have been drinking pretty heavily for those two years. And that's been increasing again, because you're working from home, you're staying home. Um, people are not kind of out and about. And so they drink. And so the day drinking happens much more quickly. It's kind of hard to do that. If you're working in an office or you're out, you know, driving a truck or something, you can't really go drinking during the day as easily. So the transition to day drinking really happens, um, much slower. I think and this is my theory from my experience that, um, that day drinking thing kick, kicks in pretty slow. Um, it creeps in can't really go to work drunk without people noticing. However, you can sit at home and drink during the day and nobody's going to really notice. And, and I think the same is true with uh, marijuana usage. I'm seeing that. And with the legalization going on and people thinking, well, you know, it's better than drinking better for my health. So there's been that going on. And then of course um, the harder drugs, heroin, crack, crystal meth, things like that um, are increasing too. And I think it's the isolation thing. And the second thing I'm, I'm seeing that is really deeply concerning to me is that the um, the effect on children um, and the masking and the problems that parents are having and the frustration they're having with it, um, valid as it is with the masking nonsense and you know masking toddlers and all that, um, and then kids at school they've been going through two years, you know fourteen to sixteen years old, sixteen to eighteen, fifteen to seventeen, and those are really um, very very difficult developmental years for all of us as we either remember or we don't, but they were for all of us. And what I'm seeing is that the developmental stagnation that goes on and, and it's kind of like uh, a social suppression of development and kids who have a hard time trying to fit in anyway, and they're dodging the bullets of um, constant social attacks through social media. And now they're locked into their homes. They're trying to, it's funny. I see kids socializing better than adults do out when I'm walking around in public. I see them socializing with each other because they can't wait to get out and see each other. Whereas adults, they kind of, you know, mature adults, they tend to not, I don't see them doing that, at least in my area. Now, what I did see when I was traveling around in Florida and Texas and different places, um, I'm seeing people acting more quote unquote normal, but that's, I think, in the, the, uh, the Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. area. What we have here is a lack of interpersonal skills generally. So, People's behavior here uh, is not a good indicator of, of what's going on everywhere else. I see that because I travel. Um, however, uh, that lack of social interaction is taking its toll. So how does that relate to addiction? Well, my belief, my strong belief is that addiction comes from trauma. Any form of trauma can cause you to feel uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable, you're going to turn to something that will make you feel comfortable Drugs and alcohol creep in, and there you go. As they would say in England, Bob's your uncle, and there we go. Um, so what, what, how, how can you cope uh, without using drugs or alcohol? Well, that's the kind of the age-old question. Um, and I, you know, if you listen to any of my podcasts, I talk about trauma throughout most of them and uh, the experience of trauma and the effect of trauma on you and your inability to cope with it. So what are we experiencing as trauma? Well, fear, uh, social, political upheaval at a, at a tremendous rate. I mean, it, it really does feel like the late 60s, mid-70s in the craziness that's going on with war and questions and doubting and attacks and, and everybody at each other's throats. So we can't seem to get away from it. I, I, I just got to the point where I can't listen to the news anymore. It's just 
you can't even you can't even discern or, or s- separate what's news and what's opinion anymore the way they they broadcast it can't believe i'm longing for the days of walter cronkite but um that's what's going on and so when i traveled what i heard was an interesting thing people that are in uh the age group of the 40 to 60 year old age group what they're doing is they're turning off the news and they found that when they do that they become less fearful um they they're less paranoid i one gentleman told me that um he to actually turn when he turned off watching the news um and, and unless there was something that he absolutely needed to to see uh because it was something pertaining particularly to him he stopped being so paranoid and stopped being so fearful and he was no longer um concerned about his family or what was going on around him to the point where it was becoming destructive in his life and he felt more peaceful. And so I'm not advocating that somebody just completely ignore what's going on around them, but I'm rather, I'd like to address it as being, how do you cope? So I can't cope. Like I feel uncomfortable. And so I'm going to move towards something that I can use to cope with my problems. So the coping is the issue. It's like, can you cope with things? I can't, I'm having a hard time. So I feel uncomfortable. And, you know, people who use drugs and alcohol, that is what's going on with them. They feel very, very uncomfortable. And so coping, get high, and it gets rid of it. If you have less to cope with from a societal standpoint, you're not really taking in the things that um, are really starting to, to hurt you and, and uh, kind of corrode your, your peacefulness and make it so that it's not pleasant anymore. If you don't have that to cope with, then you have one less thing that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. So recovery, if you think about it, when people go into recovery, what are they doing? Well, they're going into rehab. And one of the sayings we have is that um, anybody can be sober in rehab. And that's true because you can't get your drug of choice. And if you do get your hands on your drug of choice, you're probably going to get kicked out of rehab anyway. So, um, But you know, I, I, I can be sober in rehab. And that's great. But when I get out into the world, I can't because I can get access to my drugs of choice. Now, what I'm suggesting is that perhaps what you could do is make it so that you're not having the problem of something to cope with as much that really you don't need to be taking on. So something as simple as like going back to what we used to do where we find something pleasant to experience in our lives. Um you know, I'm, we talked about this early on in the pandemic. Like, you got to get outside. You got to socialize. Go with your friends. I can't do that. They're unsafe. Everybody's unmasked. And, you know, and then we find out the masks aren't really, you know, all scientists know this anyway, but masks don't actually do anything for the coronavirus. Um, the, the people are wearing cloth masks. They're fully gas permeable. Um, so then we get all paranoid about, you know, well, I'm wearing a mask, but it's not helping. But they're not wearing a mask. And so that bothers me. And, uh, you know, it's travel on airplanes. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's crazy. Except I guess after the 18th and then the science changes on the 19th and now masks aren't needed, whatever. So, uh, finding something that can help you cope, like get outside. It is turning to spring here in North America. The weather is supposed to be getting better. Of course, here it's not in, uh, my part of the country, it's still kind of gray, dark, cold, and rainy, unusually, um, for this time of year. But 
get outside, do stuff. What I saw, uh, for example, when I went to Florida, people were going outside. They were going to the beach. They were walking around. We played putt-putt. We had, you know, and, and it was a different vibe going on, you know. I, I would say the same thing goes on in California, but I know California is a big hot mess. Um, and it just seems to be getting steadily worse over time. Thank God I don't live there anymore. Um, but, you know, and, and talking to people in the airport, they're really not as concerned about stuff related to, you know, the political world or the environment or whatever's going on. I didn't have conversations when I was talking to people. And I did try to have conversations with the people. They were concerned about, you know, normal stuff, everyday stuff, like where I live and is the weather nice and can I go out and do something? And that is called real life. And so if you were an addict and you get all spun up about stuff uh, that you can't control, well, guess what? You're going to have to cope with it. Well, you're not going to cope well. So part of recovery in that saying of there's only one thing you have to change to get into to get sober and that's everything is true so changing changing your life so that you can eliminate stressful things i'm not suggesting that we all live like the village idiot who knows nothing that's going on in the world that would be foolish and naive however uh turn the news off you know it used to be 30 minutes a day that's all we got back when i was a kid we had three networks and some weirdo UHF channels and and uh, maybe a, a public broadcast. So we had 30 minutes of news. You got 30 minutes of local news and 30 minutes of national news. And the local news usually was half of it was just some fluff story about a dog that that you know somebody dyed pink and turned it in tried to turn it into looking like a pink fluffy unicorn dancing on rainbows and that was a you know a spot on the news and then the weather and then there were sports. So really. The local news was really only about 10 minutes. And the national news, yeah, there was 30 minutes of national news. And that's when we really kind of spent our time focusing on it. And 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 perhaps maybe you could do that in your life, is, is do that 30 minutes a day, if you have to. If your job requires it, I'm not talking to you. If your job doesn't require it, perhaps I am talking to you. So 30 minutes a day is really, that's all you need. And maybe get your news from a source where it's not opinion-based. Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, uh, all three networks, they all seem to be just spewing out opinions. And it's all filtered. So I don't know that that's really, you can consider that news. It's, it's editorial. It's not news. So I don't know. Find some way to get something if you have to have information and cut it down. Your neighbors, your friends, are you actually engaging with them? Things have been opening up. We can go around. People are so super paranoid that they're afraid a lot of times to go places. I did not find that in the uh, states that I went to in the last few months. I found people really wanting to get out and they were enjoying it. And restaurants full of people and um, people interacting. And, and it was great. It was wonderful. So why do I use? I use because I'm uncomfortable. So how can I get more comfortable? Stay away from the idea that why do I use? I use because I'm an addict. No, you're an addict because you use. You're not an addict 
that uh, can't, you know, if you, if you spend your time paying attention to, I'm going to stop using, then you're going to have some problems because you're never going to stop using that way. Why are you uncomfortable? It's really funny when in my practice, if somebody sits in the chair across from me and they come in and I say, uh, Hey, can you tell me why you're an addict? Like, why do you, why do you use, they, they generally can't tell me. I don't, I don't know. Cause I just can't stop. It's like, okay, well, I didn't ask you why you can't stop. I asked you why you use. Uh, I don't know. Okay. So when do you use? And they'll tell me, well, you know, I'm, when I'm by myself. Okay. So what does that mean when you're by yourself? What are you doing? Talking to yourself? Is that that inner voice, that monologue you're having with yourself? That's a problem. You're having the, yeah. And it's, well, cause I, you know, work is a problem and my boss, this, my neighbor, that my boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, you know, my kids, uh, my dad, my mom, they were yelling at me. Uh, and all of it is, I get it down to, oh, so you use when you're uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. So why do you use? Cause I'm uncomfortable. And then the next time they come in, I'll, I'll ask them, okay, pop quiz. Tell me why you use, uh, cause I'm uncomfortable. Yes, because you're uncomfortable. How many times did you use this week? And, and everybody, you know, that is still using will tell me, you know, well, this time, that time, whatever. All right. Tell me what was going on. And it was after they've been, you know, stinking thinking or the, you know, they're stirring the pot of the, the, uh, the, the bucket of garbage and they dipped into it and they realize it's because they were uncomfortable. And I'm like, okay, so what did you do to try to do something else besides use when you were uncomfortable? They didn't do anything. Guess what? Because they don't have anything. They don't have another coping mechanism. Okay, so let's work on getting some other coping mechanisms. It's interesting that when people use, all the stuff they're interested in tends to drift away. And it's not because they're preoccupying their time with, uh, with usage. It's because they just stop doing the thing they love doing. It's an interesting thing. Think about that. Their usage did not make it. They weren't spending all their time using drugs and alcohol to replace the things that they love doing, they stopped doing the things they love doing. And the usage then took that time over. So let's get back to doing something that makes you feel comfortable, right? And so they'll go back to whatever it is, pottery, yoga, dance, martial arts, playing cards. Uh, oh God, just any, any human activity that was related to anything they enjoyed. Bonsai trees. Um, I'm thinking like Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid. Um, so it's just things, man. Get back to things. And if you do the thing, even if you're still using, just get yourself back into that environment where you're using the thing you love doing and see what happens to, 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 to edge out that feeling of discomfort. Like I get back into it and it's so hard to do. They just, everybody struggles with that. Once they stop doing whatever it is they love doing, it's like they want to do it. They just can't bring themselves to do it. 
which again is another interesting point. Why can't you find, because they can't do it as well. It's too much work. It's the people they did it with. They have burned bridges to those people. They've lost contact with them. Maybe the group that they were doing it with or the individual they were doing it with, they've lost contact with. They don't even know where they are. They've drifted. Or it uh, fell prey to the uh, coronavirus and there was a shutdown. I just went through a mall, a little strip mall where um, I drove through it because I had to drop something off at the UPS store. Four of the probably 20 businesses that were there that were there a couple of months ago, they're gone and uh, boarded up. Uh, not boarded up, they're papered up windows and they're empty. And that makes you feel kind of weird, right? So you're like, oh, everything's shutting down. I got to just go home. Some of it is just we're we're lazy as animals. Uh, we're just inherently lazy. We just find the path of least resistance. Everything is about convenience. So it's hard to put effort into it. But if they had that spark where they really did like the thing that they were doing before, then they can get back into it, but it's hard to get back into it because it's the thing that they used to do. And I'm of an age now where like, yeah, I used to do that. That starts to creep into your vocabulary. Anyway, I digress. So, uh, the point being feeling uncomfortable. So if you're uncomfortable and you want to get back into recovery, maybe you've lost your recovery or you want to get into recovery because now you're starting to lose stuff. Feeling uncomfortable. I'm telling you, man, that is the key to recovery is let's get a different coping mechanism for feeling uncomfortable because the one that you're using is the one that's trying to kill you. And that's addiction. Uh, it's very seductive addiction and can mesmerize you into apathy. So what does a recovery plan include? Well, it's not that like some people would say to you, like some family members or something would say, well, you know, he, he needs to get a job. She needs to go back to school. That will give her a purpose. It's like, it's not, I'm not talking about purpose. It's not purpose. It's coping, going to school or work because you have lost interest, dropped out, flunked out, quit, got fired because you're an addict. You got a bigger issue to deal with. You got to get, you got to get into rehab. You got to get into rehab because if you don't get into rehab, you are not going to make it in the world because uh, you're not going to be able to just magically stop doing whatever you're doing. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting is that if you can find something that makes you feel good, that's a coping mechanism, right? I enjoy Like I enjoy working on motorcycles. I have motorcycles. I like working on them taking a tool and putting it to the motorcycle. That makes me feel good. Finding some way that you can enjoy what you do. I used to train to fight. I used to uh, ride a lot. I used to play sports. I used to work out. A lot of that stuff went away with the coronavirus and I'm going to get it back. You know, so it's, it's not purpose. Me sticking a 10 millimeter socket on a nut on a motorcycle is not purpose, is it? Because I don't make a living doing it, right? That's not purpose. So if you're listening to this and you have a loved one who is an addict, please, please, for the love of God, would you please stop with they have to find a purpose? 
that is very stressful to addicts because they already feel like garbage because they're not doing anything or enough and they feel like a failure. And then you come to them and say, well, they've lost. You need to get a job. You need to go to school. I, you know what? They're going to lose the job. They're going to lose school. They're going to flunk out, get fired or quit. And then they're going to be right back where you saw them last or worse, more likely worse, because you tried to force a purpose on them. So let's stay away from that idea. Rehab is not the cure. A job is not going to cure addiction. School is not going to cure it. When the person wants to reestablish their self-worth, then they should be getting a job, a real job, not a sober job, but a real job, or going to school. That will increase their self-worth. But if they are just floundering around, you know, uh, using and all feeling bad. Well, they feel bad. Now they need a coping mechanism. So I hope you're hearing this, parents, husbands, wives. Uh, purpose is not the cure. That's gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose them doing that. So find a coping mechanism, please. Find coping mechanisms so that you can re-engage in enjoyment, so that you can feel more comfortable, so you can stop using your drugs of choice. So, what is the reason for getting sober and clean? So you can live your best life. And you're not living your best life if you're walking around like a clenched fist all the time. So, let's work on coping mechanisms. Cut out that stuff that makes you feel bad. If it's the news... Stop watching so much of it. Please turn it off. Listen to music. Do something else. If you have to have a voice in your in, in coming at you, listen to stuff on on uh, you know, listen to books on tape. What books on tape? Record audiobooks. <laughs> Dating myself, books on tape. Audiobooks. You know, watch a movie, watch a TV show. Do I, do something besides watch the news. Turn it off. It's not helping you. Stay aware of what's going on in the world. Don't overload on it. And second, understand that purpose and a coping mechanism are two different things. They're very different. Purpose is something that's a higher level thinking. It's an evolution, uh, an evolution of your recovery. It moves you when you've moved from I'm trying to get through the minute and not use to I'm trying to get through the day to I'm connecting with people I'm coping with other coping mechanisms, then go back into your purpose. And that's going to be a year to two years of good recovery if you are solidly into uh, addiction. If you are kind of in that borderline state of, of you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm, I'm an addict, but I'm not physically dependent. It's not, you know, I'm just drinking too much or I'm, I'm finding myself using my prescription not as prescribed. Okay, fine. That's a different thing. So... Let's practice that and see if uh, you can move yourself towards recovery. Okay? And as always, thank you for listening to Doc Shock, your addiction lifeguard. This episode was meant to help you understand how to get sane, stable, and sober. So if you want to get sane, stable, and sober, do so. If you need help, reach out to me. You can reach me through my website, by email, or um, you can call me. Phone numbers are there. I am accepting clients. I'm seeing clients all the time because people do get better and they move on. But if you need some real help, go get it. 
check into a rehab, find some way to get yourself to where you can recover. And I hope that this has been helpful to you in your recovery as you try to get sane, stable, and sober. So this is Doc Jacques, your addiction lifeguard. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you next time.